And they began by giving us post-its and they said, sit down and for the first 30 minutes, write every event that's ever happened in your life, good or bad, anything that comes to mind. And so you're writing feverishly and you come up, literally, I came up with probably 100 life events in, in the 30 minutes or more, maybe 150. Then they said, now segment them into good or bad. Put now what's on the yellow post-its, put the good on, on blue, the bad on red. And so we divided over the next 30 minutes. The next 30 minutes, they say, now arrange that chronologically in your life into chapters. And as you look at your life, all of a sudden on a poster board in front of me, I have my, my entire life before me, and especially my entire spiritual life. And there were lots of ups and downs, and there were lots of problems, but what, as I looked at that thing, the, that, that, that story of my life in this post-it notes, the one person spiritually that was a constant and a constant positive, even when I didn't know him well, was a guy named Mike Napier. And when I look back over my life and the struggles that I had, the only really hope that I had growing up of anything good happening in the church I went in was good people but not a good church. But church camp gave me hope of what Christianity could be like. And the Crossings Church is built on the idea of this is real life church camp. But the person who directed the camps and always made sure they were fun, but more than fun, he made sure they were spiritual was Mike Napier. And so for a week, a year, I would go and Mike would be the director and he would be there and I was not wise enough to know that he was the one who orchestrated those events. Then as my life fell apart and I started looking for something different, I was looking for a school for, to, to, I decided I was going to go into ministry because I wasn't going to make it if I didn't give myself fully to it. But the way I'd lived my life and my non-educational high school experience had left me far behind and Mike had started a school of ministry and accepted me into that school with all the problems that I had. And so through all the years, one thing I want you to know that the guys that's, that's speaking to you today, I don't know where I would have been without him. Maybe God would have raised somebody else, but it would have been different than what we have here. And Mike and I have always, you know, because of who we are, uh, we, we have always, you know, we've always been very, pretty free and sometimes we've disagreed on things. But the one thing I've told people through the years and that I tell you, and this should matter to you if you're a member of Campus Ministry United, in all of my life, I have never known anybody that has so consistently cared about lost people finding Jesus than Mike. Anybody. And that's what all of his ministries were about. And when he retired from ministry that was the normal church minister role, preacher role, he found himself involved in Africa. And his heart now, literally, is with Africa. And that's where he wants to spend his time. About a year or so ago, Mike had his left lung removed. A non-smoker all of his life had lung cancer. Over the last year, Mike has struggled in a lot of ways with the chemo, with the radiation after that, struggles with blood loss to where six, eight weeks ago, Mike very easily could have left us. He got, they found out what it was, gave him three blood transfusions, another transfusion full bag or two of plasma, got him on his mend. He had his scan this last week that said there's no cancer in his body. And the first post, you know, you, uh, as I looked at it, you know, I knew he was there for that. The first post was no cancer, Africa, here I come. 
so as I talk with you, looking back over my life and what God is doing in my generation, Mike was one of the, if not the central guy. So I'm going to ask Mike to come up and I'm going to pray over him. And I'm going to pray that you will give the oldest of guys that are here your attention. Okay. Let's bow. Father, right now I want to praise you and thank you for Mike and the work that he's done, Father. And sometimes as we live life, we don't know who is going to be the person that makes impact in our lives and that's, that, that, that Father that is working with us and we have sometimes no clue who is going to be the person that's going to make, make impact that we are working with. But Father, the thing that we're asked to do is to be faithful and work with the people and love them and run alongside them to make a difference. And Father, I pray that as Mike speaks, as he talks about the characters of the Old Testament, as we look at the people that were around during the time of what we would consider theologically maybe the mosaical age with Moses and Joshua and Caleb and Aaron, Father, that we will have those lessons clear in our mind in what the scriptures teach, but we will have also clear in our mind more than facts, but we'll have the current day application that can make us better. So, Father, give Mike wisdom now. Father, give him strength. Give him passion. Father, give the listeners the heart. Father, sometimes, you know, uh, we, as we age, we have such very narrow focus of, of, of music illustrates it great. For, for many here, rap is their favorite music. And, and, man, I love some of the new Christian rap, Father, because it gives the truth that you have to a generation, Father, that, that, it, that is in love with the music. But, Father, one of the things that I want to do is I want to be able to appreciate all of those genres and the truth that's spoken. So, Father, help those that are young to listen with a heart that would say, this is somebody who has, braved, has, has blazed a trail. And, Father, in listening, I can learn how to impact people in a way that can change all of eternity. Father, I know Chad was telling me, Mike's son was telling me last night that Mike had told him that, you know, you, you're probably at some point going to have to come to Africa to get my body and uh, that's hard for a son to hear but it's what Mike wants to, to do he wants to go out father serving you and father I pray that we all can have that passion and I pray in the name of Jesus amen amen thank you Bob. Robert is very kind, and uh, <clears throat> my voice is not as strong as it was before I went to the chemo, so I hope that <clears throat> he will uh, tolerate if I uh, am not quite as strong. <clears throat> Robert is very kind, and I've been so proud of what God is doing with him and with his family. Other than my family, my boys. Uh, it's been one of the greatest encouragement to watch God at work. And I was thankful for the prayer a while ago that prayed for the old people. <laughs> Robert, you know, they included you. I mean, I just really, I don't know about it. In Africa, you go out into the villages, to the bush, to the big cities, the little cities, and you worship with them. They often will start their worship with these words. 
and they've walked miles to get there, they're going to walk miles to get home, they may or may not have had enough to eat the day before, but they always start with this. We run big trucks with tents that hook to them called gospel chariots in the 25 countries. And under the tents, no matter where you're at, they almost always start with these words. God is good. All the time. Except in South Africa, they say it this way. God is good. <laughs> and they say it a little more lively. You all think you're lively. You don't know lively. That's the truth. But I'm so grateful to be here. And uh, I hope that what I have to say... Do I need to go down? Maybe I can yell. I used to could yell. <clears throat> We're talking about a walk to remember. A walk to remember. Israel has spent... 400 years in slavery. God hears their call. He sends Moses. Moses comes in. Incredible story of Moses' life. How he gets back there. But he calls for Pharaoh to let his people go. He shows these incredible miracles. Pharaoh keeps resisting. And then finally, Pharaoh says, go. They take out for the Red Sea. They didn't even take the nearest path. They took a longer way across. I think it was so that God could demonstrate his power in other ways. Pharaoh takes after him. The Red Sea parts, and they cross. And in this walk to remember, just that event is a great miracle. Because can you imagine getting two or three million people across and how wide it would have to be and how long it would take? You know, a while ago I couldn't get through the aisles here. It was so crowded. Can you imagine trying to move two, maybe three million people? And yet God did it. And he takes the children of Israel and he takes them on a walk to remember. He has promised them that he's taking them to a land that flows with milk and honey. And in their days, that was something spectacular. They've been slaves for 400 years. And now they're on this walk. This walk to remember. Children of Israel saw amazing things. That's important for you to realize. <coughs> Just because you start the walk doesn't mean that all are going to finish it. But you can and you will finish this walk to remember if you have the spirit of a Joshua and a Caleb that we'll talk about. But just the logistics... Even if it was just a million people, it took 15,000 tons each day to feed them in the desert on a walk. It took 
2,000 tons of food each day. Firewood. Can you imagine? How could they cook the food without fire? Firewood. I mean, an incredible amount of firewood. And, and, and their clothes never wore out. Doesn't that sound good? The girls are saying, no. <laughs> their shoes never wore out. Doesn't that sound good? The girls are saying, no, get on with this part. I mean, just God is incredible. The amount of water. It would like take trains two miles long. Two trains, two miles long each to bring all the provisions they need. And yet there is no doubt that they made this walk. So I'm just saying, if God could deal with that, if you think God can't handle your problems, think again. Because just this walk and the provisions needed shows that God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. So they reach a certain point. They come to Kadesh Barnea. And Moses sends 12 spies. And I'll rush through some of this. And 10 of the spies, you don't know their name. Two of the spies, Joshua and, Joshua and Caleb, you've probably heard of. They come back. The 10 spies say, yeah, it's wonderful. It's flown with milk and honey. But there's giants there. There's four fortified cities. We can't go. Now this is the God that has been providing for them in the desert. This is the God that delivered them from Egypt. This is the God that parted the Red Sea. This is the God that told them, this land's yours. And now they're going to argue with God, and they're going to say, yeah, we know this has been an amazing walk, God, but perhaps we should turn back. I mean, to slavery. Mm. And Joshua and Caleb say, no, man, we can go. But these guys, Joshua and Caleb, were incredible. They were relatively young men. And we're going to learn more about them. But Caleb says, we're well able. We're well able. But they rose up against God. <coughs> and God told them, except for Joshua and Caleb, no one over 20 is going to enter the promised land. And they said, oh, no, God, let's go. You know, we're ready to go. And God said, if you go now, you go without me. We don't ever, ever, ever want to go without God, do we? I mean, if they went without God, what were those giants going to do to them? It's going to destroy them, destroy them. And so... If you want to go on this journey, and you're on this journey, 
and you want it to be a walk to remember, then you need to walk like Joshua and Caleb. And the Joshua generation, as some call it. One of the things we learn from this walk is that the majority is not always right. Matter of fact, the truth is, the majority is usually wrong. And Joshua and Caleb were in the minority, like some of you on your campuses and at your high schools, in your family, in your communities, may not be the majority. But the majority is not always right. Say that with me. The majority is not always right. And Caleb and Joshua demonstrated that very clearly. But if you're going to take this walk to remember, we need to have a different spirit. They said about Caleb, he had a different spirit. You're going to have to have a different spirit. I'm going to have to have a different spirit. If you're going to impact your high schools and your colleges and your families and your nation, you're going to have to have a different spirit. The ten spies saw great fortified cities. Caleb and Joshua saw just cities that God would give to them. And it all depends upon your spirit. Upon your spirit. What kind of spirit you have. The ten saw fortified. The ten saw giants. What Caleb see? Saw opportunities to prove that God is the living God who does impossible things. You see, it wasn't about them. They wanted God to be glorified. I appreciate all the things that Robert said about me. But do you know what I want in my life? I want God to be glorified. And I tell the people I work with in Africa, I want to go out with a bang. When they told me I had cancer, I asked them, how long? They said, well, you know, it just depends. This, uh, they didn't want to give me an answer. Most people with what I've got can expect up to two years. Now, I did the chemo and the radiation, and they think perhaps that'll change that. But here's what I want you to know. I want my walk to get me to the land that flows with milk and honey. So i got to keep walking. I can't get at the border of my life and make the wrong decisions and expect God to take me home. The difference between Caleb and Joshua and the others, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, <coughs> we walk by faith and not by sight. It was impossible that this band of Hebrews by themselves could take on these nations. But if you walk by faith, 
You can make it. You can change it. You can do it. You can complete it. I'm not saying it's easy. There's no walk of life. Listen to me. There's no walk of life that is going to be without its problems. But they walked by faith. Those who complete the journey back then, who completed it, and those who will complete the journey now have to look forward. Joshua and Caleb were looking forward. The ten spies were looking backwards. And that's a challenge for Christians. Because the devil wants you to look backwards. He whispers in your ear all the time. Look at your circumstances. Look what happened. You can't make it. You can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, there's some giants. Let's go get one. They looked forward. Forward and not backwards. Not backwards. And so, Numbers 14.8 says, If the Lord delights in us, He will do it. Philippians 3.13 and 14 talks about forgetting those things that are past and pressing toward the mark, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, keeping our eyes on the prize. My father had Alzheimer's. And at the point where he still recognized us and could function to some degree, but couldn't go out on his own, couldn't make it back home. Chad and I and my son Nathan and our families, we used to run fun, fun runs on the weekends. And we were going to Evansville, Indiana, <coughs> and uh, we were going to participate in one that's going to have about 10,000 people. Olympic stars were going to be there. And guys like us were way in the back. My dad heard us talking about it, and he said, Son, I'd like to do that. Now, from here up, he had problems. From here down, he was strong as ever. So they'd take him out and walk and run with him. And the day of the race, he said, Son, I don't know if I can do this. I said, Dad, just hold under my arm. And so we took off, and we ran. And... Uh, my dad got tired after about half a mile. She said, I don't think I can make this. I said, yeah, Dad, we can do this. And about that time, he saw his son-in-law, Randy, and we were about to catch him. I said, Dad, look, there's Randy. We can catch him. He said, hurry up, son, you're holding me back. <laughs> we shot past him. We got down almost to the finish line. And they were, uh, they were announcing as people came across. There was helicopters and TV. Somehow they found out about my dad. My dad got about a quarter of a mile from the finish line. He said, son, I can't do it. You go on without me. I said, I can't do that, dad. I can't do that. You can do this. And all of a sudden, over the speakers on the race course, he, he heard, Melvin, that's his name, Melvin, Melvin, Melvin. 
my dad, you know, has Alzheimer's. He goes, <laughs> I said, they're cheering for you, Dad. They're cheering for you. Come on. He said, come on, son, you're holding me back. And so we crossed the finish line. They gave him his medal. He took me aside and he said, son, I couldn't have done it without you. I want you to remember on this walk to remember you're not alone. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke. You're yoked with Jesus. There's no excuse. No, not one. Not to finish this journey to remember. And you can do it. Say it with me. I can do it. With Jesus, I can do it. You believe that? It's easy to say that in here. Thank you. You're very kind. I'm going to quit in a few minutes. There's no clock, praise God. Every church that I preach in where they've got a clock in the back, I tell them to put up a sign that says, Remember Lot's wife. Now, some of you will get that, some of you won't, but that's. They walked by faith. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. I want my reader. We're going to do it the Africa style. Read Joshua 1, 8 and 9 for me real loud. your God will be with you wherever you go. These were the Joshua generation are people of the book. What book am I talking about? He told them to keep their eyes on it. There's a song my son is going to sing. I think the group will sing with him. I don't know. Be strong and courageous. Chad, can you come up? Chad, Napier. (laughs) He's asleep. I'm sorry. He's heard this before. He's going to lead this song. Are you all going to help him? Yeah. Do you know the song, Be Strong and Courageous? Yeah. Ah, there you go, Chad. Go ahead. Let's give praise to Jesus. Okay, that's the introduction of my sermon. The Joshua generation, the Caleb generation, is obedient. We live in a day and a time where they say doctrine doesn't matter. Those that made it into the promised land understood that what God says matters. And they were obedient. Read Joshua 1.7, please. Just speak it out. You can do it. Yeah. Verse 7. Now, we're not under the law of Moses. 
But are we under a law? The law of Jesus, the law of grace. And we must obey everything he said. And how are you going to know what that is if you don't study your Bible? If the only Bible you're getting is that small group or at church, you're in trouble. (coughs) If you want to complete this walk to remember. The Joshua generation, the Caleb generation, is hungry and thirsty for intimacy with God. Exodus 33.11 talks about how Moses left the tent of dwelling and how a young man named Caleb stayed there. He was hungry, hungering and thirsting like a deer panting for the water. One of my favorite psalms is Psalms 46.10. I think it's talking about this intimacy with God. It's not enough to have intimacy with your group leaders. It's not enough to have intimacy with Robert or with Rita or with the praise leaders. You have to have intimacy, personal intimacy with God. Psalms 46.10. Be still and know I am God. They had a passion to love God. Turn to Joshua 22.5. I'm almost finished. Joshua 22.5. Read that for me, please. Remember what Jesus says later? Number one commandment is what? The Joshua generation, the Caleb generation, the ones who are going to take it all the way home, accomplish amazing things, kill giants, do great things for God, are people who love God. Who love God. That's essential. And so they have a passion I want to ask you, do you really have that passion when no one's looking? When you're not in an assembly like this? You can't live your life in an assembly. You may have a congregation that is church camp live, but you're going to have to go out into the world. You're blessed. So now today, I conclude, we come to Kadesh Barnea. And like those on this walk to remember in the Old Testament, we live in dependence on God. We've come to the border. There's a fork in the road. One way goes to the walk of disobedience. The other goes to the walk of obedience. Which do you choose? Going to be like old Caleb when he was over 80 years old. I'm 71. He's over 80 years old. And he says, give me this mountain. That's where the giants are. That passion burned into him. I want to know something. Are there any giant fighters here? Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm serious now. 
Are you ready to face some giants? Some of you are facing them in your life already. But as America goes further away from God, the opportunity for our light to shine brighter increases, but we're going to have some giants to fight. And you're also going to have some in your life. I conclude with this, Micah 6.8. He's told you, old man, what the Lord requires of you to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord your God. And that will give you a walk to remember that your future generations can look back at your walk through the desert and see that you did not stop at Kadesh Barnea. God bless you.